This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! You've got to be joking me! Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Well, what's that saying about there really is no offseason in the NFL? Uh, we've heard that. What about the one that apparently there's trickeration though in the offseason as well? I'm going to explain this here on Cardinals Underground. Paul Calvisi, Darren Urban, Kyle Odegaard. In fact, I'm very glad that you two are here. It couldn't be any two more qualified people to address the following, gentlemen, because uh, when it comes to misinformation, disinformation, oh, I don't know. Deceit, well, there are stories evasion uh i expect it when it comes to the off season and player acquisition i get it i just did not expect it when i clicked on azcardinals.com or at least that's what i thought as i've been reading these primer stories and i see the players listed at each position group and i'm like okay wait a minute there's a safety as i consult my little post-it note that i've written down here over the last week there's a safety on the roster named chris miller uh, not yeah. the former quarterback, but there, I had no idea. And he actually has a cap hit of 660000 by the way. Uh, there are two receivers on the roster <laughs> I'd never heard of by the name of Rico Gafford and Isaac Whitney. Show of hands, Cardinals Underground Nation. Who has heard of either one of those players who's actually – there's a, this, was, this was truly humiliating, is when I saw there's a tight end by the name of Ian Bunting. And when I clicked on his name for further information, because I'd never heard of him before, I realized – he actually played for my alma mater. So that was embarrassing. <laughs> oh, this is... we have guys like Picasso Nelson at corner. I think I saw that name actually, just because, you know, not many guys in the NFL are named Picasso. And then there's Kalfani Muhammad, a running back who's counting on the cap. I had no idea that some of these names were counting right now against the cap. Well, from first of all, they aren't because most of those guys you just mentioned signed futures deals so their contract doesn't even kick in until march 17th that's number one it's good to know you're paying attention to the transactions in the offseason paul but uh the other part too don't forget in the offseason it's only the top 51 cap numbers so most of these lower uh lower salaried guys won't count against the cap until we we get to uh, get to the end of the uh, preseason you can't call it misinformation when it's actual premium information, like deep premium. dive information. This is the stuff that you should know as the resident sideline guy. Week four of the preseason, you need to know who Kalfani Muhammad is. He was on the practice squad last year. I'm like, it's not like he's coming out of nowhere, Paul. Maybe it's the 20 years of sleep deprivation and my, you know, my, my recall has been corrupted and compromised. There, there's no doubt about that. I, I won't call it misinformation. I just thought like for a minute there, I'm like, you know, hashtag WTH is like Kyle messing with us here. What's going on? 
But Darren, you're right. On the 51 only count against the cap, that was a refresher when I read your article, azcardinals.com, that until we get to later in the year, you're only taking the top 51. So that's good. We're all learning together here on Cardinals <laughs> Underground, or at least yours truly is, apparently. Uh, I will say this, that I did like the use of the word cannonball in the intro, because <laughs> every time I see that, I think of two things. Ron Burgundy right cannonball and then i think of jj watt i mean that's the perfect app description the question is will there be another cannonball on the deep end of this pool that is the offseason and the cardinals uh i don't know about that but darren we do know it will not be hassan reddick well i i'm not completely ruling out hassan reddick all we know is hassan reddick isn't getting the franchise tag at this point now do at do we think that there's a good chance now that some team will come along and money whip Hassan Reddick and give him an offer that the Cardinals couldn't possibly match? Yeah, there. I, I personally believe some team is going to come out and do that. It's interesting because I, I saw a list, NFL.com, Greg Rosenthal did a list of 11 players he thought uh, could end up getting overpaid on the free agent market, and two of them were Cardinals. One was Hassan Reddick. The other one was Patrick Peterson, which I thought was interesting. Um, look, we've talked a lot of times about Hassan Reddick and what he brings to the table. He's 26 years old. He's got a double-digit sack year. Um, but, again, the way this is – we're heading into this, it just I, – I still don't feel 100% sure. Any other year, I would say he's absolutely gone. I feel a little bit – I feel like the percentage is a little bit higher – this year, given the circumstances that you might be able to keep him around on like a one-year deal and he dies back into the pool next year to, to try and get that big deal. But I, I do think now that he's not tagged, it, it definitely all signs point to him going somewhere else. We'll see, though. So if they would have tagged him, that would have been a $15 million salary or so, correct? Yeah, they have yeah. yeah, the thing about the, the franchise tag is, and this is what's interesting to all the guys that did get it, that the franchise tag number exactly cannot be set until the salary cap is set and the salary cap isn't set yet. So all these teams that tag players are, have a certain amount of risk involved, not knowing exactly how much they're going to count, but I'm sure we're going to know soon enough. And if they would have picked up his fifth year contract option, that would have been 10 million per year. So that eight figure salary, and that wouldn't have been much more feasible or doable in 2021. So, and I get it, Kyle. I don't know where you stand on Hassan Reddick. Love Hassan Reddick. Thoroughly enjoyed watching him play last year. But it's one year. And within that one year, there was a seven-game stretch where he didn't have a single sack. And Marcus Golden actually had a higher pass pressure rate than he did, according to most of the analytics. And he had the five-sack game, which obviously inflated his season total. So I get it. Now, to Darren's point, maybe something's coming at a much more manageable number over the long term, maybe just maybe, and nobody knows the Son Reddick, their own player, better than the Arizona Cardinals, and rightfully so. But nobody should be shocked right now that he wasn't franchise tagged or that they didn't ever picked up his, his contract option a year ago at this time. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I think if they had the option to have him on there, that fifth-year player, 10 million bucks or whatever. I think they certainly would have done it for 10 million. I think he's got that value. It's definitely an interesting case with Hassan Reddick. I mean, you don't exactly know if he's a one-year wonder or if he can continue to do it. I 
personally am very high on what I saw from Hassan Reddick because he, he has the natural speed and it seemed like as the season went on, he really figured out how to be a difference maker on the edge, even though he's undersized. So I think he can get to the, get to the quarterback and he can also chase down mobile quarterbacks, which to me is such an important trait for some of these guys where when a play breaks down a Russell Wilson or whoever it is, is running very few edge rushers can catch up to a quarterback and Hassan Reddick can do that. And he can also drop into coverage because he's so athletic. So I think he's, an ideal strong side linebacker in a three, four. And I think the Cardinals would have been well-served or would be well-served to bring him back. With that being said, once you sign JJ Watt, you already have Chandler Jones. You're spending a lot of money on your front four. Jordan Phillips has got a high cap hit. I mean, you, you already put a lot of resources there and you have to allocate them in different ways. You're looking at corner, which is pretty barren. If you don't have Patrick Peterson back, you got to figure out what to do there and you, you still have some limits to the salary cap. So I think it's more an allocation thing than anything. If, if JJ Watt doesn't sign here, then I think the chances of bringing back Reddick would have been a lot higher. Um, so I think it decreases it. I agree with Darren. I wouldn't totally rule it out yet um, because of the way the market could go. But if I'm a team and I saw the tape of what Hassan Reddick did against the giants against Seattle in that home game, he did some special stuff and these in the NFL, you want special athletes. And I think Hassan Reddick is one of them. And like he told us in the big red rage, he got up to 245. He put on an extra 10 pounds to play that outside and set the edge. And it was good weight that he put on. So yeah, I'm like you guys, I'm intrigued by the upside. Uh, I'm intrigued by the fact he's really only had one full year at what he considers his natural position What's next? In fact, that's what he tweeted out, isn't it? Right after it was reported, he tweeted out, Darren, what's next to Son Reddick? I mean, it, it kind of reminded me a little bit. I don't know if it's different, but J.J. Watt was saying the other day about how interested he was in being a free agent and being courted uh, because he had never really gone through that. I mean, J.J. Watt was a guy who was not highly recruited coming out of high school, went to Central Michigan, ended up at Wisconsin, but – uh, never really went through that wooing process, really. And then when you get drafted, it's not quite the same thing. So he wanted to enjoy it. And I think that's what kind of Hassan's going to go through now. I mean, he was not recruited very highly going into college, and then he got drafted, and it was great. And he was a high pick, just like J.J. Watt. But he'd, he's never had a chance to really get to feel wanted. And let's face it, the difference between J.J. Watt and Hassan Reddick is J.J. Watt felt the love because of his level of play, whereas Hassan Reddick felt the wrath. Uh, a lot of times over the years because he didn't live up to his billing and, and couldn't quite fit in as an inside linebacker. And so he's, I think he thoroughly enjoyed the success he had last year. And I think he's really going to enjoy the ability to go out and have teams really, really want him on this level. And, you know, good for him. I, I you know, I, I would love for him to stick around at least one more year maybe, but uh, I, I think he's a guy that's been through so much, um, you you root for a guy like that and you root for him to have this kind of success because he's worked hard for it. I mean, back before the pandemic, think how many times, guys, we were in front of his locker and there were a lot of uncomfortable pointed questions put his way regarding his play and just the transition to the inside linebacker spot. And he met the media every time. He would answer some, some pretty straightforward questions and he'd give some pretty straightforward answers and never professed to have all the answers at inside linebackers. So... Yeah, I think we're on the same page when you're talking about 
the person is Son Reddick. You're definitely hoping for the best, and you hope the player stays in a in a Cardinals uniform. I don't know how you know, but you talk about, and that's a great point about he's one of those few guys that has the ability to really run down a Russell Wilson from behind, or at least put the threat into Russell Wilson where he thinks twice about running for the sticks on third and 11 when he knows 43 is out there. Do you guys happen to see who they did not tag the Seattle Seahawks? Shaquille Griffin and Chris Carson. Now, Chris Carson, not that much. But if the Cardinals are in the market for a running back and they're most definitely in the market for a number one corner, if not Pat P, little sidebar thought here, Kyle. I mean, Shaquille Griffin, if you're looking for that other cannonball and big splash in the offseason – a corner to that degree, that caliber would be it. Yeah. I don't know about him specifically. I think that would be possible, but I think any premier corner above average corner, if they made a quote unquote cannonball move to me, that would not surprise me because that's the position you need. And if Hassan Reddick does leave, that means you have that money that could have been allocated toward him. And yeah, cornerback is where you need a starting number one, a number two, you got your slot, but you don't have anything at the high end position. So I think certainly number one corner makes the most sense to me. I think the most casual fan will tell you that based on the cornerback situation. And then if it's not there, maybe there's a wide receiver they love, which would be more about impact player more so than need. So I think that's where you balance it. Like if Steve Kime sees a standout at a certain position and he loves the player and thinks it's a pretty good value, then that's the move like a JJ Watt where they could have brought back Reddick and Chandler Jones and done that. And instead they really liked what they, that they saw in JJ Watt and went after him. So I feel like there's the evaluation part of it too, mixed with of course, positional need. Darren, based on what we know about the cap heading into the league year, uh, get us up to date on where the Cardinals are. And is it, is it unrealistic to think, that they have one more big splash signing in them, a true number one corner at $12 million a year. They're already paying Patrick Peterson in that neighborhood. If not Pat P, then maybe someone else, uh, or maybe even a Kenny Galladay. You know, someone, I mean, if you're really dreaming big, is that irresponsible right now? If you're, if you're a Cardinals fan, as we kick that around on Cardinals Underground, you're brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Well, certainly, Paul, I don't, I don't want to get too deep in the salary cap weeds, but uh, I suppose that's what we're here for, long-form extended explanation. Um, no, just give us a range of where the Cardinals are. Yeah, Once I, again, I hashtag say, no math. We, we don't yeah. need any formulas here. We, you know, we don't need Kyle into analytics or the actual long division. I'm just curious. I see like 12 million or so right now in cap space. Yeah, I mean, again, since we don't know what the final cap is, we can't really know exactly how much cap room they have, but they, they should end up estimated somewhere between 12 and 15 million of cap space. Okay. And then if you say a $12 million a year player, I mean, you just paid JJ Watt essentially $12 million a year, whatever it was, $13 million a year. And you were able to get his cap number for this year under $5 million. So is it doable? Sure. It's doable. Is the way they got his cap number. So Watt's cap number so low though, is that he's going to have a, 15 or $16 million cap hit next year. And then there's going to be 7 million plus of dead money the year after when he's no longer on the team or would have a different contract anyways. So anything's possible as long as you're willing to kick the can down the road and, and, and mess with a contract. And that's what's going to be most interesting to me, how this plays out because Steve Kime says over and over how it's important for him to have a relatively clean cap. It doesn't mean he's always going to do it, 
but you do not want to get over your skis. You, you they, they don't want to be the Saints or the Steelers for, for argument's sake, although the Saints just franchise tagged Marcus Williams and everybody is scratching their heads trying to figure out how they possibly did that because they're still so far underwater in the cap and you have to have room for this, um, not for another week. But so I, I think to answer your question, yeah, they can make another splash play for a cornerback or a wide receiver. Do they? I don't know. I think ultimately the way they think that this free agent market is going to play out, I think they're hoping that they don't necessarily have to do that uh, and they can get some good players to fill their holes short term uh, for much less and they won't have to jeopardize their future cap too much. If not corner or receiver, where, Kyle? Offensive line? Yeah, I mean, at this point, when they said there was an open competition at center, when right tackle is murky because it does not seem like Josh Jones is just going to slide in, the, in there, right guard, I think, is a question still. Justin Murray could do it, but you could try to upgrade. So I think the offensive line, especially on that right side, could be an option. I mean, if you like one of these standout tight ends, I mean, we're still waiting for the fifth decision, which will probably now come between when we tape and when we post. But I think that we, yeah, we don't know what's going to happen there, but maybe a tight end makes sense because of that. If you're going to bring Fitz back and, and now you want to add a weapon at tight end, I think there's a lot of different possibilities. And I do think that even with JJ Watt under contract, they're going to be aggressive and, Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury and Michael Bidwell have all talked about this offseason and, and the chance to really flank Kyler Murray with a lot of talent, knowing that he's cheap and knowing that it's not necessarily a two-year window to contend because if you have a superstar quarterback, if Kyler Murray gets to that point, you can still win even if he's expensive, but this is a great chance. And you look at Dak Prescott, like the, the Cowboys were awesome when Dak Prescott was on his rookie deal because he was cheap. And when Russell Wilson was cheap, the Seahawks won a Super Bowl and Patrick Mahomes won a Super Bowl on a rookie deal. And Josh Allen and the Bills were great last year because he's on a rookie deal. I mean, the, the examples are over and over and over. So I think the Cardinals feel like they cannot waste this opportunity of these next two seasons. And that's why I think they, they can still be very aggressive in this next week or so. I mean, Dak Prescott, another hundred million, he could afford one of those Jerry Jones super yachts that he got for about two sixty. So, you know, I mean, that, that's, just... <laughs> so with that in mind, I mean, Darren, it does it behoove the Cardinals to be ultra aggressive. Should they, will they, I mean, that Dak Prescott is a heck of a reminder of what the Cardinals are going to be on the hook for if Kyler Murray truly is the future of football and their future franchise quarterback, at least long-term franchise quarterback. I mean, maybe it's been reinforced here this offseason. The time is now more than ever. Well, there's a couple of things that pop into my head with that. One, I would say yes. And, and Kyle has been pushing this all along. So props to Kyle about pushing their chips in and being very aggressive. And, and I do think once the Watt signing happened, I think that really kind of tipped tipped off the direction they were going to go. I mean, I don't think after seeing the Dak Prescott numbers, it's not a question to me of, of if Kyler Murray gets paid that kind of money, it's a question of when um, Dak Prescott hasn't won anything in the postseason. Dak Prescott's numbers and what Kyler Murray's doing, unless Kyler Murray falls off a cliff next year, Kyler's going to have performed just like Dak Prescott has. So 
he's going to have a very fair argument for that money. And that is what it's about. And in the quarterbacks, I, I got into, I don't want to say an argument, but uh, again, going back to a mailbag question this week and, and somebody kind of talking about how terrible it was that these quarterbacks take up such giant parts of the salary cap and, and Matt Barry, an ESPN sports center anchor who actually went to Arizona state and grew up in Scottsdale. He tweeted out and got a lot of flack over how ridiculous it was. Dak Prescott was getting that kind of money and, and the whole argument over what quarterbacks are making when they haven't done anything. And I feel like saying, guys, this is, this is how it works. This is what's going to happen. It's why Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. His contract was made in such a way that the 49ers could get out of it. But guess what? The 49ers still haven't gotten out of it because they have nothing better. And he's a decent quarterback. And Kirk Cousins, we, what do we say when Kirk Cousins signed with Minnesota? It's like, oh, you know, he's, he's doing these short-term deals, but he's not worth it. He is worth it because he's a quarterback that could potentially help you win games. And we've seen up close and personal over the years, guys, quarterbacks that don't win games and this is not to slight any of these people as human beings but because I I like them all very much personally but John Skelton and Ryan Lindley and Kevin Cobb even uh, Derek Anderson Max Hall this is what you get when you don't want to pay a quarterback who might not be the best quarterback in the league that's what happens when he leaves because he is going to leave if you don't pay him what you want and you can't even get in a position, and this is where the Cowboys were, of franchising these guys two or three times because that is going to cost you an arm and a leg, and you might as well just extend them. So when it comes to Kyler and his contract, which he can start talking about extending after the season, it's a tough thing if you don't push your chips in right now because he's going to get his money, even if he's not Patrick Mahomes. If he's just Kyler Murray, who, by the way, threw for whatever it was, almost 4,000 yards and ran for 800 yards and ran for 10 touchdowns or whatever it was and made the Pro Bowl, that's a pretty good quarterback. You're going to have to pay him. So, yeah, I would say push in now because he's going to get that money. It's not It's not if, it's when. No QB, no chance. I think J.J. Watt used that saying in his press conference. It's just – it's known. And if the rest of the – the players know better than anyone. If you go into a season, you go into a game, and you don't have a capable quarterback, forget it. The bottom's going to fall out. Guys won't believe. And it's the easiest way to submarine your season before it even begins. So, and yeah, we lived it not too long ago in between franchise Pro Bowl caliber quarterbacks. So there's a poignant reminder. And, and Kyle, think about it. Over the first half of last season, Kyler Murray was a legitimate candidate in the MVP race. Do you think the Dak Prescott numbers and big money does anything to him knowing what Darren just said coming off year number three is his initial time to launch into long-term negotiations? Do you think that sort of news and happening here in the offseason impacts his 2021 regular season at all? Before, before you answer this, Kyle, because I, I do want to know your answer to this, but I also have to – this is a dual question here because I don't want to get too far off the topic. I want to know – how disappointed you are that you didn't get to live through some of those times covering the Cardinals because you got here when Carson Palmer was like just ramping up. So it was, I mean, for a while there, the Cardinals were playing like 850 football 
percentage wise when you were around or whatever crazy number it was. So, you know, you, you didn't get to see any of that. Did you miss any of that? And then answer the question about Kyler and I money mean, getting his head. Darren, what in the Sam name of Rich Bartell are you talking about? And are you asking Kyle Odegaard to comment on? Go, Kyle. I got a taste of it in 2018. Granted, it wasn't seven years or whatever you guys had in a row between, uh, between Kurt and Carson. I had an abbreviated taste of it, which the, the Sam Bradford and Josh Rosen year didn't go so well. Uh, <laughs> I, I think for you know Kyler what? Murray – the, the mental picture of Sam Bradford on the ground in the Bears yeah. game and not getting up with his yeah. face mask buried at the 13-yard line. Just think of that for that whole stretch. And, anyway. and to be honest, it, it just seemed like seven years for us. It was only three. It was 2010, 2011, 2012. So it was only three seasons. It just felt a lot longer. And this really reinforces the fact that Steve Kime and Michael Bidwill did make that decision to draft Kyler Murray, which I know we've kind of talked about many, many times, but now that they're back and they turned it around pretty quickly. I know 2019, the record wasn't good, but that was probably the smoothest five win team of all time. There was like all good vibes with uh, that 2019 and now the pressure's on. And I think, I think if you're Kyler Murray, it's certainly a reminder of how important this season is. He's the type of personality where he's very confident in himself. He's very cool. Even in like pressure situations, it never feels like he is nervous. There are certainly players and coaches that might be nervous about certain things, but Kyler Murray never gives off that vibe. And I believe it. I don't think he gets rattled by much. So I, I feel like he knows the type of contracts that are out there. He knows what he'll get. If he has another good season, I think if he progresses from the numbers he did in season two in season three, it'll be a no brainer. Like Darren said that he's going to get that type of extension, but it just doesn't rattle him. I mean, we've seen him. He's, he was the number one overall pick. And I remember flying back with him from, from Nashville to Phoenix and talking to his dad and his dad's like, all right, what's next? Now we're ready to take the NFL by storm. And they weren't like excited about being the number one pick. They weren't, worried about what it means with the pressure. It's just that family and Kyler himself just have complete and utter, utter, utmost confidence in what he can do. So I think he's he's going to be ready and, and he's going to want to perform well, but I don't think there's going to be any pressure knowing that, yeah, he's going to be eligible for that mammoth extension next offseason. And look, picking Kyler Murray number one in 2019, trading for DeAndre Hopkins in 2020, now signing J.J. Watt in 2021. Yes, the Cardinals are tracking to win the offseason for the third straight year. I'll leave it. But at the same time, going back to what Sam Acho told us in the Big Red Rage not too long ago, about a month ago, defenses did adjust to Kyler Murray. I would be spending a lot of time here in the offseason studying a lot of game film as to what he faced, especially in the second half of the season, and especially against the Belichick disciples that are out there, the defensive schemes that gave the Cardinals offense issues at times. Because, Taryn, we all know this. If it gave you problems once, you're going to see it again until you prove it. And here, and whether it's a virtual offseason or not, you know defensive coordinators, especially within the division, are studying that game film and saying, oh, this seemed to be pretty effective against the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. Uh, you know, clearly the Cardinals have a handful of things that when you go into the season, we're all going to be watching closely on both sides of the ball and in the coaching staff, to be honest. But I don't think there's any question that the main thing that's going to be under the spotlight is going to be what this offense looks like, 
how Kyler Murray operates within it and the kind of adjustments that you're talking about, Paul, and, and how they try and fix some of the issues that they had down the stretch when you talk about being quote unquote figured out and, and where that can go. I, I think that's absolutely going to be the first thing everybody looks at. All right. And we know what Kyler Murray is looking at to a certain degree, and that's the offensive line. And, and look, quick thought, quick shout out to Big D. You got Dak Prescott. You better fix your offensive line. They, they got issues, the Cowboys right now up front. We talked about it a little bit earlier. It could be anywhere from three to four potentially new starters on that offensive line for the Arizona Cardinals. Um, if we're looking at where they are right now, tracking TikTok towards the league year, let's just start with right tackle and Kelvin Beecham, guys. Kyle, give me your expectation there. Do you think that's a realistic possibility? Is Marcus Gilbert in the mix? We got nothing from Cliff Kingsbury. He didn't want to or didn't know enough to comment on that. Josh Jones, it seems like most of the chatter seems to be leaning towards guard. That seems to be pretty wide open right now. Yeah, and I think it once again, once again goes back to the allocation of resources where would you like to have a, a young, talented right tackle to pair with DJ Humphreys? Definitely, and maybe you do think that's Josh Jones down the line, and maybe you're just slow playing it, but you still believe in his ability to play there. And if so, then... Kelvin Beecham makes a lot of sense to bring back if the price is right. And, and then you just eventually shift to Josh Jones. But if you think Jones is a guard longer term and you want somebody young or somebody super talented and you want to make a splash there, it's not out of the question that the Cardinals sign a, a, a right tackle, but they're expensive. So to me, Beecham makes sense if, if he's willing to play for a, a pretty low cost deal last year, you got him super cheap. He was a great value. Does he have a bigger market? He's he's a year older, but he just showed you he'll play 16 games again and be solid. So um, I think it all depends on how much he wants and how much he's he gets in the open market. But I think it's a smart idea to bring him back. I think what you had on the bookends last year was solid. I think the interior struggled at times, especially center and right guard. So maybe that's the upgrade area. But if you can bring Beecham back at this point, I think it'd be a pretty good idea. And as much as I've been a proponent of the Cardinals going corner, one of those three corners at 16 in round one, since basically the end of last season, there are plenty of mock drafts, Darren, that have the Cardinals going offensive line and tackle at number 16. And I'm guessing if there's a scenario where you think there's a guy sitting there at 16 who can give you what Tristan Wurst gave Tampa at 13 last year, he absolutely crushed it. If the Cardinals somehow, some way could find that guy at that spot, I'd run that card up to the podium and submit my pick instantly. I, I'm not arguing with that at all. And, and, I, and I think that's where we, when we talk about mock drafts and we talk about predicting what could happen, I mean, I, it just, it's so hard. I mean, can we narrow it down? Like, do I, do I think they're going to go out and, and draft a safety at 16? No, I don't think they're going to draft a safety. Uh, I don't think they're going to draft a running back, but do I think it could be a wide receiver or a cornerback or an offensive lineman or still a, a, a defensive lineman or an edge rusher? I, I think all those are in play. And then, because I think when you start talking about the first round, especially it's a very case by case kind of basis, 
you know, you, you start veering into the needs after you get through the first round, especially where they're going to be picking in the second round, middle of the way, then you can start saying, okay, what, what do we got out there? Because everybody's going to kind of settle, but you're only going to have 20 to 25 guys that you're going to see is, and maybe less, but only 20 to 25 guys that you see as a first round caliber player. So there's only going to be so many choices you're going to have. And so I agree. If, if you're looking at your, a cornerback who you think could be okay uh, and certainly a starter, but nothing unbelievable, but you see a, a worse light off like offensive lineman, I'm absolutely sign, uh, drafting the offensive lineman. I think that makes all the sense in the world. All right. So Kelvin Beecham, let's stick with offense. Kyle, what do you think about Kenyon Drake? Any chance he's an Arizona Cardinal in 2021? I think the only chance would be if he goes to the open market and just doesn't get any multi-year offer or anything that looks good. I mean, I, I think the Cardinals would like to have him back. I think they enjoyed the tandem of Kenyon Drake and, and Chase Edmonds, but knowing that you've got these other holes and knowing what Chase Edmonds showed you last year and his price, I mean, he's so cheap. And if you can get good production uh, for low salary, that's, that's the name of the game. So I don't think they want to, pay uh, a king's ransom for Kenyon Drake. Um, but we don't know what this market is going to look like. I mean, there have been times to me, Andre Ellington comes to mind a few years ago where it seemed like he was out the door and no market really developed and he re-signed. So I think that would be the scenario and it wouldn't be for the minimum. I mean, Kenyon Drake would still get some money, but if it's not what he desires, maybe he likes this fit and this team and this scheme. And if that's the case, you could run it back with those two. I think it just all depends on if Kenyon Drake has suitors in free agency. And I'm with you, Darren. There are plenty of mock drafts that also have Travis ETN going to the Cardinals at 16. I'm not buying that. Even though ETN actually said in a podcast, that would be, his under-the-radar dream scenario going to the Cardinals at 16, and he's dynamic. I, I just don't see that position in the middle of the first round. Uh, what do you make of that position, how the Cardinals might address it, whether it's Kenyon Drake or otherwise? Well, I mean, I agree with, with Kyle that I, I don't think the Cardinals would mind having Drake back. I do think Kenyon was really hoping that he would get the big money longer-term deal this offseason. Now, whether he was ever realistically going to get it anyways, I don't know whether he was ever going to realistically get it uh, in an off season that where the cap got hacked. I, I don't know. Um, I, I think with a guy like Drake, I agree with Kyle in terms of, I think you you look at the market and I don't, th I don't think any of the Cardinals own guys. And I think this will go true with a lot of guys around the league, especially if you were in a good spot. And this is why I wouldn't completely close the door on Reddick, because if you think you're in a good spot now and the reason you're leaving is because of the money and the money doesn't come and all things being equal, why wouldn't you want to stay? If you're Hassan Reddick, why wouldn't you want to have a 15, potentially 15 sack season while everybody's worried about JJ Watt and Chandler Jones on a one-year deal in Arizona? If you can get, $5 million here and no one else is offering you much more than that because of all the constraints. Now, again, Reddick is a special thing and I do think he'll be offered more somewhere, but um, I, I think a lot of these guys, the, the door will be open relatively speaking. And I, I think there's going to be conversations with a lot of them saying, okay, hit the market and then see what you got. And so I'm, I think there's going to be more guys re-signing with teams this year 
than previous years just because it makes more sense to tread water for a year with the team you're already on. All right, look, let's just go down the line. Let's switch sides. And, and Kyle Patrick Peterson, I know he made some comments. Uh, it was USA Today. Not much to say in terms of, you know, an indication. Just said, look, I'm going to be playing. I'm not exactly sure where. If you're reading between the lines here in the offseason, do you think he's coming to grips with the reality that more and more it's looking like he might have to go elsewhere? Did you, did you read between the lines in that one? Was there enough there? I honestly didn't see it, but I'll read between the lines anyways and give you my opinion. I, I think at this point in where you're at in free agency, it does feel like it's it's more likely than not for a lot of these guys to leave. And you just look at the pure mathematical probabilities where there's 31 other places you can go and one place you can stay. So I think there's going to be teams that are going to offer him a contract and Patrick Peterson will obviously get offers. Are they going to be exactly what he wants? We'll see, um, but there will be suitors for his services. So I think a lot of these guys, Hassan Reddick, Kenyon Drake, Patrick Peterson, like if they, if they make it to Monday, the tampering period, and they haven't re-signed with the Cardinals, it's going to be more likely than not that they leave, in my opinion, because they're going to have this big open dialogue with a lot of different teams. And then, and then it, the reason they would come back is because they just didn't have the market they wanted. And I mean, there's not going to be like a feeding frenzy this year for most guys, but a lot of them will still get solid deals and go elsewhere. So I feel like the closer we get, the less the likelihood is that these guys come back. Here's a quote. Patrick Peterson says his potential return to the Cardinals is, quote, out of my control. I know that I will be playing football for someone. So that's something. Uh, we don't know what exactly there. How rich is the free agent market? If not Pat P, do you expect a free agent signee just at the position, period? And by that, I don't mean just, I don't mean just a guy, but an established, reliable, potential number one corner. Is that do you think almost priority number one right now, Darren? Well, I, I'm going to let this one go to Kyle because he looked like he was about to jump out of his seat to say something. I mean, I, I think you have to, right? Like if, if you don't bring Patrick Peterson back, what, what's the plan if you don't get a number one cornerback in free agency? I don't think you can go to the draft and say, hey, at number 16, we're going to take a guy that we believe is going to be the number one corner, which what if the three or four cornerbacks you like suddenly go in the top 15 for some strange reason and you're out of luck. I mean, you have to have a backup plan and seeing Steve Kimes blueprint every single year, he always tries to fill the big needs in free agency. So he doesn't have to reach in the draft. So I, I think whether it's Patrick Peterson or somebody else, he's, he's going to put some of this salary cap money to a, a, a solid cornerback to kind of head that group. And, and don't, I mean, we, we just went through this last year, Paul, with uh, Devondre Campbell. I mean, all I heard all year was, why aren't the Cardinals sign, uh, starting Isaiah Simmons? Why aren't they starting Isaiah Simmons? And there were multiple reasons for that. But one of the biggest was they signed Devondre Campbell, who had the experience, and they didn't know they were going to be able to draft Isaiah Simmons. And once they did, had they and not had Devondre Campbell, would they have probably plugged in Isaiah Simmons and just dealt with it? Probably. But they didn't because they wanted to make sure that that position was covered no matter what happened in the draft. And, and I, so I agree with Kyle. I think there's going to be a cornerback sign. And the bottom line is if Patrick Peterson leaves and you draft a guy high, even in the first round, then all of a sudden you have 
the solid guy you signed and Byron Murphy and this first round pick. And then all of a sudden you feel a little bit better about your quarterbacks than you did two months ago. And you guys are right. You can't go into draft with such a gaping, glaring hole and need that it's a tell. And then all of a sudden other teams will look at you on the board and deduce, oh, Cardinals are sitting there at 16. We want a corner. They definitely want a corner. Now all of a sudden they trade up to 15 or 14 and they take your guy. Well, why do you got to bring up Patrick Mahomes like that? You say that may or may not have happened one year. Oh, the year that Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson went. So I think that's something any general manager has to consider. And is yet another reason why, yes, they're going to have to fill that on the depth chart. No doubt about it, whether you know it's Patrick Peterson or, or someone else. Uh, Darren, where else are you thinking in terms of uh, names? What about tight end? I mean, is that feasible? Is Dan, I'm not quite on the Dan Arnold well, it was a hype train last offseason. Uh, and I love Dan, and he was great on the Big Red Rage, but I really do wonder what the front office is thinking about a guy who had a, a number of key drops, a number of key penalties. Does that combine to keep his number down? And do you expect him to remain a Cardinal for that or any other reason, Darren? What do you think on Dan Arnold and tight end? Well, when I, the first thing I think of Dan Arnold is I think having talked to him a few times, I think he's very appreciative of the opportunity that he got with Cliff Kingsbury. I think he feels like he's a really good fit in this offense. Now, does that mean he's going to take a lot less money if somebody else comes along and says, we really like you and we're going to pay you this? No, I don't think, and I don't think he should. Um, but I, I don't know how much his market is really going to be there. I, it's not like he posted huge numbers. Uh, I, I don't think anybody's going to be chasing down Dan Arnold and there's going to be this big feeding frenzy. I do think he's somebody that they can bring back at a reasonable deal. And I, I think they would probably like to have him. So that I, my gut says that, but we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. You know, Steve Kimes said he would like to re-sign some of his guys before free agency actually happens. And since, the tampering thing starts on Monday, uh, two days ahead of the real free agency. And that's when guys can talk to anybody. Anyways, you're running out of time quickly to get somebody under contract before they start talking to other teams. So if anything is going to happen, it's going to be this week. And I I'm curious. I mean, if you're Dan Arnold, unless the Cardinals are saying this is a take it or leave it offer. And if you hit the open market, this is gone and we don't can't promise it'll be back. Um, I don't know why you wouldn't, test it now i mean if you're hassan reddick if you're patrick peterson if you're anybody you're so close to it why would you not look on the open market unless you're like one of these guys down the list a little bit where you're like i'm comfortable here i know my market's not going to be much different anywhere else so i might as well take it if they want to offer it here unless there's a standing offer from their current team and right and then uh... And then all of a sudden they hit the open market and there's not nearly what they expected and that evaporates. And all of a sudden, guess what? Uh, that's standing offer. The team knows it and you lose your leverage. So yeah, I, you know, that's it, always part of the game. If you're a player and trying to figure that out, look, if Dan Arnold doesn't get the deal right before free agency, I could see him lasting well into the off season and then still remaining a, a card. I could see that same with Corey Peters coming off the injury. Kyle, you can talk about one or the other or both, but you know, Corey Peters, I think we all have respect for that guy. He's very well respected in that locker room. He's still very stout against the run. Now he's coming off a knee injury at his uh, above 30 years old and counting. I, I could see, you know, based on 
his health, he could be a guy kind time signed at the very end. Yeah, I think both sides kind of would would like to see that happen. Corey Peters, we know, has great affinity for the Cardinals, and, and he's been very um, no-nonsense about extensions. He's just kind of signed them quietly. He's he's obviously not a, a dramatic guy, or he's not going to make any noise. He just keeps on signing them and keeps on coming back, and the injury and the age complicate things a little bit. Whereas he physically? Will he be ready to play for the start of the season? So you're right, maybe it's later in the offseason, but he's a, he's a great guy to have in the locker room on the defensive line for cheap so it makes sense to me I think Dan Arnold and his situation is very intriguing to me like he could be a guy who has suitors because he has a rare athletic ability for a tight end where I mean he didn't put up humongous numbers but having around 500 receiving yards as a tight end it's it's something that's going to keep you in the top what 15 or 20 tight ends in the NFL so it's not like it was nothing but you mentioned the penalties and some of the concentration issues so he might have an interesting market to me where I could see somebody giving him a a few million dollars or I could see him having to play for the minimum and or maybe coming back to the Cardinals at a team-friendly deal. But that, to me, is one guy who I'm going to be intrigued to see what his market looks like when free agency begins. I'm also intrigued to see what the Cardinals have in mind for a backup quarterback. Uh, You know, nobody is a loves Strebler more than yours truly and mandatory (laughs) leveler and all that. But Well chronicled. Uh, you know, and, and I get instant laughs right at that one. But at the same time, you know, get a grip over here, Calvisi. Um, I, I never expected him to be the backup quarterback. I never expected him to get the sort of meaningful playing time he did, obviously, at the end of the year and be in position to run the team with a playoff spot on the line. Darren, what do you think when it comes to backup quarterback this season? I think that's an excellent question. Uh, I just did a a streaming radio show in uh, Canada this past week or so, week or two weeks, and uh, they asked me about Strebler, and I basically said, look, he struggled, and they might need to go in a different direction, and I think a lot of people thought he was going to you know, be the Taysom Hill, et cetera, et cetera, all the things we've talked about, and uh, they posted that on that clip on social media and i i heard from some people in canada and uh they weren't happy <laughs> i was gonna say um, did they open up the phone lines and all the listeners blasted you so um i know how the canadians feel uh i look i i don't know chris very well i talked to him once extended on the phone when he first signed and then we had a couple of zooms with him uh i think he could be good in the locker room i i still think there's a possibility of using him in some different ways. Um, And maybe who knows at some point he is ready to be a backup quarterback in this league. I don't think he was ready last year. Uh, And I, I, when I think of a backup quarterback and they've been, the Cardinals have been fortunate that Kyler Murray at this point has not missed any starts. Um, He's missed some time, but he hasn't missed any starts. Um, And I think of a long-term situation. I don't think of just getting me out of a game. I'm also thinking about if he, if Kyler Murray goes down for two or three games, can, is there somebody there that can step in? And I just, I, right now I have big questions about that for this team. So yeah, I think it's something they got to consider uh, largely. Um, all right. Which brings us uh, full circle to Larry. And so uh, anybody have anything 
of any value, any merit on the Larry Fitzgerald front. Kyle, are we hearing <laughs> anything? I just appreciate that, like, every single person that the Cardinals put on Zoom, they just get asked, like, have you talked to Larry Fitzgerald? Do you know the decision? It's like, yeah, DJ Humphreys is going to break break the news to the world in our Zoom press conference that Larry's retiring. I think Larry's keeping it well under wraps, and if anybody does know, they've been sworn to secrecy on what he's going to do, but... That being said, I mean, Steve Kimes said he doesn't necessarily need to know Larry's decision before free agency. To me, that would be very surprising if we don't know. And and what does that mean for the, the team building aspect? I mean, I think that's a big domino that needs to fall to, to figure out a couple of things with the cap, with the offense. And so I feel like, you know, we've got to hear soon, but I've thought that for several weeks now and nothing yet. So So we'll see what happens. Once again, it bolsters our theory. There's another cannonball coming. He's waiting. He's waiting for the other cannonball to drop. We'll see. We'll see about that. I will say this. I mean, I don't know if this happened to you guys. I had a buddy I hadn't heard from in a while, and he sent me two words in a text. Fitz, question mark, retire, question mark. And instantly I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then, you know, you start, you pick up your phone, you start scrolling through Twitter. What am I missing? <laughs> is, this, is this the moment? You know, you're like an expectant father. What? The water broke? What? You know, you're like, what's going on around here? And and then and he's like, no, I, I was just asking what you think. I'm like, okay, buddy, okay, don't do that to me, okay? I mean, you know. That's rude. At this point. So I, if, if that's me, I can't imagine you, Darren. I mean, I, I mean, do you, do you literally find yourself checking your phone more than ever just to see if there's anything out there? I do. I find myself carrying around my computer more than ever. I remember one of the years – it was the year that I think Jim Trotter broke the news. I can't remember exactly. Something happened. And maybe it wasn't Fitz, but I'm pretty sure it was Fitz. And uh, my son was in the room and he goes, hey, dad, uh, ESPN just tweeted that Fitz is coming back or something like that. I don't know. I, I forget what it was, but your stomach drops and you're like, how the heck didn't I know about this ahead of time? Come on. Somebody's got to loop me in here. I, I will say I agree with Kyle. I, I would have thought we would have known by now. Uh, love Larry. Do feel like there's a certain amount of uh, walking on eggshells on a daily basis as we wait to see exactly what's going to happen, uh, especially with all the other news that could potentially happen over the the next week. I mean, what's really interesting, and, and you guys know this, and I'm not really telling the world anything exciting, but – our department is having a retreat next week and there's like a X number of hours in the day that we're going to be out in a retreat. And I'm like, Oh God, please don't let it happen that day. Please don't let it happen that day. Do not reveal the date. I mean, just like, like, you know, just like uh, Steve Kime said, you know, Larry could be messing with us, you know, don't, don't, don't reveal the date. We're not putting it beneath him. Okay. To pull something like that. Okay. Come on now. By the way, that's a great strategy is apparently you, you've outsourced Larry watch to your kids. Is that right, Darren? So dad, <laughs> dad needs some dad time over here. And so you assign your kids to monitor all social media <laughs> platforms. That's well done. I'm going to have to incorporate that. Well, I got, I got one kid who's got every alert known to man sports wise that comes to his phone. So I don't really have to do much work. I mean, it's just, it's a natural thing. There are so many times where I'm like, Hey, did you hear this? And he goes, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I saw yeah. I saw it. We'll be on the lookout for a co-byline when Fitz decides. Right. 
Yeah, try and beat a teenager these days with real-time news. It's it's, yeah. it's well, not really going to happen. No. Technically, he's not a teenager anymore. He's a full-blown adult, 21 years old. So maybe I can get him a job. He needs a freaking job. So, <laughs> Well, you never know. I mean, maybe he'll be a kind time sign at some point here. You know what I mean? On the, on the job market. That's, that's good. Um, is he getting a stimulus check? I mean, you know, Darren, you, you, you need to look into that. Stimulus check. You lucky you know? jerk. <laughs> he'll have more disposable cash than you real soon. That's how that's going to work. All right, how do you want to wrap this one up? Uh, you know, Kyle, did we disagree on another uh, another piece of content about what position the Cardinals should target? in free agency let's just come full circle and if you had your druthers and as you near the legal tampering and then march 17th if there was one position you could go ahead and make that cannonball splash which position room would it be kyle i don't i don't understand how you could say anything but cornerback at this point i i think i mean wide receiver would be nice for sure like if you can add one of these big names to your wide receiver crew that's awesome, but you have DeAndre Hopkins already, and you got Christian Kirk under contract. It would be nice because of the passing game struggles last year to add to it, and I think it's a necessity at some point this offseason to either add a free agent, add a draft pick, do something to try to bring the ceiling up for that overall group. But if you go splash at wide receiver and you spend a lot of your cap and then you don't have a lot of money at corner – I think that could be a, a dangerous game to play. So I feel like cornerback is going to be a main option. It would have to be like these top guys just get obscene deals for the Cardinals not to be in the hunt for those guys just because of the way the roster composition sits. I just feel like you have to be strong at cornerback in the present-day NFL. And right now the Cardinals just don't have a lot of very good options. And I get it. It's a serious risk. The rub for me is – that I feel so much better about getting an established wide receiver in free agency versus compared to the draft. To me, more than ever, for whatever reason, these rookie wide receivers are just unreliable. It just, it's hard to forecast. 13 wide receivers went in the first two rounds of last year's draft, a record in the NFL. And I think two of them really had an impact. And so if you want to count on a rookie to have an impact in year one, round one, I'm much more comfortable with a corner coming in and being that guy than a receiver these days. Hence, that would lead me to try and target a receiver in free agency. But I get it. The way this particular roster is, I mean, you could be minus, you could be in need of three corners going into this, this offseason. And, and for me, that's where it comes down to is, I, I understand what you're saying, Paul, in terms of th that, but I mean, I feel like even if you draft a receiver, if he doesn't end up number two, if maybe Christian Kirk ups his game a little bit and some guy gives you a three, I mean, the difference when you've already got Don, DeAndre Hopkins, the difference to me between taking a first round pick and saying you might be my number two or number three receiver in this offense, just take some pressure off and taking a cornerback and saying, you're the number one guy and we have a big drop off to number two. That's that's awful scary to me. And, and to me, if you were going to push your chips in and sign a guy like J.J. Watt, I, I don't know why you'd want to, like, skimp on the rest of the defense to a certain extent. And, and again, I, I, I think there's a lot of needs here. And, and they are in a tougher position. It would have been nice to have some of these cornerbacks they've drafted, and they haven't drafted many high, but it would have been nice to have some of them 
pan out over the years. I get that. But you, you know, even if you keep Patrick Peterson, whether he leaves now or later, he was eventually going to leave. And you've done a nice job of having him be the superstar cornerback for all these years. He wasn't going to do it for 40 years. I mean, that just wasn't going to happen. Eventually, you know, you're going to have to go in that direction. So I, I just, I agree with Kyle. I, I, right now, the way it's all set up, I don't know how you do anything but look for cornerbacks. And if you get one solid guy, that changes the dynamic. And it doesn't have to be an Antonio Cromartie per se. But, I mean, how great would that be, depending on what the market is, is if you got a guy like Antonio Cromartie even a little bit later because he wants to play with Kyler and J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones. And you do have a little bit of that, which goes back to what we've been talking about these last couple of uh, podcasts, which is maybe you you get a, a name that is willing to come here one year just because these other names are here. I think you can time time sign the number two cornerback or look for the first round and get a number two cornerback in the first round. I just wouldn't want to do it with that number one. I think you need an established guy to be your top cornerback. If it's Patrick Peterson, fine. I think playing that game and being a little bit risky with the number two cornerback I, w- I can live with that if I'm Steve Kime because you've seen it before where last year Drake Kirkpatrick came in in training camp and he was fine. He wasn't phenomenal, but the Cardinals' pass defense was, was a, a decent group. So I think number two cornerback, you can take a risk. Number one, I think it's just too risky to do so. And as ridiculously talented as Patrick Peterson was as a rookie, he made the Pro Bowl that year as a punt return, not as a corner. There, was, there were a lot of growing pains his rookie year as a corner. So, you know, I don't disagree. Um, I just, I'm so dubious on a rookie receiver, you know, coming in and making an instant impact for whatever reason, it just seems to be riskier than ever. I have no idea why. And it's one of the reasons that Cardinals even were even posing this question because a pair of second round picks haven't quite proven themselves as of yet. So that's my only, you know, Go ahead, Kyle. And you can, you can do both. You can get a wide receiver and a cornerback in free agency. There you go. Two cannonballs. Two more to come. There you go. That that's uh, you know no no splash splash. Yep. There you go. You ought to you ought to change your intro intro to the primers. Okay. <laughs> along along with providing a little uh, fact check note there that these are real players who <laughs> exist on the roster. So there you uh, go. You know on Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, prop partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, there you go. That's you know, those would be a few amendments you make to the primers as free agency begins. Darren's going to get hate mail from Canadians this week, and Paul's going to get hate mail from Kalfani Muhammad. You know, just uh, just so everybody knows, I thought I'd smoothed everything out because at the end it was it was the day after Walter Gretzky passed away. Mm. I was able to tell this audience about how my wife has taken a sip out of the Stanley Cup in an Edmonton bar at the night they won a Stanley Cup, and that she grew up in Edmonton, and yet nothing. So you're married to a Canadian, and, and no, they didn't cut you a little extra slack? She is a, she's an American citizen. She moved and grew up in Edmonton, so it's a little bit different. But, I got you. Okay. No, but I got no slack. They yeah, still, but Darren, none of that tops the fact that did you or did you not get an email or a letter in the mailbag this week? <laughs> Wait for it. On Daryl Washington. <laughs> it was a tweet. tweet. It was a tweet. You got to know, you got to know the audience and I love my audience. And, and that was a sarcastic tweet. And I, okay. not everybody understands it because we've been around a long time, but we got the quality Daryl Washington, okay. Donovan McNabb lives in, in uh, Chandler and a couple other mentions at the time. 
It was good. Okay. That's good. All right. I'm, I'm glad we got to that because I wasn't sure was that legit or was that snark. So okay, no, that it, was, was it was snark. These okay. guys. There you go. Okay. Well, you know what? It, it wouldn't be too, at least now once in 2021, D Wash came up on a Cardinals Underground, and that will officially do it here. Brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. <laughs>